This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Thursday, February 20th, 2020. On this day in 1927, four golfers were arrested in Aiken, South Carolina. Their crime? Playing golf on a Sunday. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're covering the arrest of golf professionals Everett McDonald, Jimmy Searle, Ben Thompson, and William Whitcomb. These marked the first arrests in South Carolina's new governor, John Gardner Richards Jr., decided to start enforcing the state's centuries-old blue laws. Let's go back to Aiken, South Carolina on February 20th, 1927, a Sunday. Aiken was a mighty fine place to golf in February. Known as the Winter Colony, the city provided East Coast elites with a haven from the snow. Its two courses, the Palmetto Golf Club and the Highland Park Golf Club, boasted 36 holes in year-round sunshine. Both courses were frequented by locals as well as snowbirds. Today was no different. South Carolinians Everett McDonald, Jimmy Searle, and Ben Thompson, as well as Bostonian William Whitcomb, all took advantage of the clear courses. Until they were arrested. There was a reason the golf courses were nearly empty on a beautiful day. The governor of South Carolina had just announced he'd be enforcing the state's so-called blue laws. Blue laws prohibit engaging in any less-than-holy activities on Sundays. And in South Carolina in 1927, most activities were less-than-holy. You could not buy or sell alcohol. You could not operate a ferry. You could not get your shoes polished. Ice cream could be served in a dish, but not in a soda. Movies were out of the question, as were games of pool. Need gas? That required written permission from the county sheriff. If you were a child, you could forget fishing, playing marbles, or hide-and-go-seek. You could not play the piano. You could not play baseball. You could not sell meat. And as of February 20th, 1927, you could not golf. Governor John Gardner Richards Jr. was adamant about it. The 63-year-old father of 11 was fresh off his fourth campaign for governor and his first win. Richards had been in office barely a month and was eager to use his new power to enforce the law. God's law, that is. Governor Richards was a strict adherent to the Ten Commandments, particularly number three, keep holy the Sabbath day. By Richard's interpretation, the Sabbath was Sunday, and golf was most definitely unholy. Blue laws had been in the books since the 1700s, but were rarely enforced with any strictness. Governor Richards set out to change that. 
While it was the governor's decision to prosecute under these laws, it was the task of the Aiken County Sheriff to enforce them. Like the governor, Sheriff Nolly Robinson positioned himself as a man of God. He was a deacon at a local church. But Sheriff Robinson was better known for accusations of leading lynch mobs than his holy work. He hadn't been convicted for his participation in those lynchings yet. That put him squarely under the governor's thumb. So on Sunday, February 20th, his position led Sheriff Robinson to put handcuffs around four otherwise innocent golfers' wrists. They'd be tried as criminals, faced with fines of up to $50 each or up to a month in jail. For reference, those are fines equivalent to over $700 in 2020. After their arrest, McDonald, Searle, and Thompson learned they would face a local trial. Whitcomb, an out-of-towner, would be shipped back to Boston. The upcoming trial would set a crucial precedent. If the authorities could get just one successful conviction on the books, Sheriff Robinson could arrest anyone caught golfing on a Sunday, carte blanche. While the arrest certainly felt frivolous to the four golfers, Governor Richards had the support of local churchgoers. Preachers applauded him in their sermons, and several Methodist churches published an editorial in support of his crusade. But the incident drew a line between the puritanical locals and the moneyed snowbirds. The leisure class and business owners wanted their golf courses and the money they brought in any day they pleased. Within a week, a bill to change the law was introduced in the State House of Representatives. But the next Sunday, four more golfers were arrested on the course in Greenville. Alongside the first four, these sportsmen pled guilty. A South Carolina jury was asked, would they send eight men to jail for playing golf? They wouldn't. On March 6, 1927, the eight golfers were acquitted. That same day, Thomas Hitchcock, founder and owner of the Palmetto Golf Club, requested and was granted an injunction. This action restrained Sheriff Robinson and his officers from enforcing the law at Hitchcock's golf course until March 19th. While the local golfers were free to play another hole, Hitchcock's fight against Sheriff Robinson would go all the way to the state Supreme Court. Coming up, South Carolina's ongoing grapple with blue laws. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. Despite the exoneration of the golfers arrested on February 20th, 1927, South Carolina's blue laws remained on the books. While County Judge Hayne Rice granted a temporary injunction preventing further arrests in Aiken, South Carolina, Governor Richards stewed. He would not be stopped by some nobody local judge. 
According to the New York Times, the governor phoned Sheriff Nolly Robinson that day and told the sheriff to ignore the injunction, arrest anyone seen golfing next Sunday, March 7th. Tension mounted. In response, Jimmy Searle, one of the exonerated golfers, proclaimed he'd play at Aiken's Highland Park Club on the 7th, even if arrest was the result. It was practically a challenge to the sheriff. Try and stop me. Sheriff Robinson consulted an attorney and learned if he obeyed the governor, he'd be breaking the law. In fact, attorneys told Governor Richards he'd be a criminal himself by defying Judge Rice's injunction and arresting more golfers. But Governor Richards held firm, stating, only a decision by the Supreme Court can stop me. Thomas Hitchcock's Palmetto Golf Club called that bet, suing Sheriff Robinson. According to the New York Times, Hitchcock's complaint was that restricting golfers from Sunday games would cause the loss of custom and patronage. Local papers reported tourists going home from vacation early, or worse, going to North Carolina. Simply put, blue laws were bad for business. A year later, in 1928, the South Carolina State Supreme Court ruled in favor of the golf club's patrons. While the state could outlaw games, exercises, sports, or pastimes on Sundays, State Supreme Court Judge Bleese determined that golf was not, in the legal sense, a sport or pastime. Playing golf was not a violation of the law. However, the judge acknowledged that profiting off of golf was. Clubs could remain open without their caddies. Instructors like Jimmy Searle could play, but could not teach. Sunday golf was saved, but thanks to the judge's choice to interpret the law instead of overturning it, blue laws remained in effect for decades. Governor Richards left office in 1931 and died a decade later, but his prediction of blue laws entering the federal Supreme Court did eventually come true, and the Supreme Court took Richard's side. In 1960, landmark case McGowan v. Maryland upheld that blue laws were constitutional so long as they served a secular purpose as well as a religious one. For example, post offices being closed on Sundays so mailmen could have a day off. As a result, some blue laws have remained on the books in South Carolina and states across the U.S. all the way through 2020, almost a century after Governor Richards learned that he could not arrest golfers. There are still towns where you can't buy beer on Sunday, and Walmarts where non-grocery sections are roped off to prevent unwitting patrons from accidentally purchasing goods on the Sabbath day. There are regions where you can't hunt, and some businesses, like Hobby Lobby and Chick-fil-A, respect a blue law nationwide. But for South Carolina's golfers, blue laws are no more. Palmetto Golf Club v. Robinson Sheriff became the landmark decision. Today, the Palmetto Golf Club is designated as one of the oldest golf clubs in America, and it remains open on Sundays.
Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. If you enjoyed this episode, check out our show, Sports Criminals, which covers crimes committed by and against athletes. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Kerry Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Aaron Larson, and Joel Stein. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Maggie Admire, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson.